feel like we might as well just jump straight into the word today. If you are new to our church, welcome. You be the first to say hi or maybe the 15th to say hi. Uh, my name's Billy. I get to serve as the pastor here at this church. And uh, we are on week 10 since our grand opening. And I don't know about you, but God is up to something in 10 weeks. Come on, he's been good. If, uh, as I mentioned earlier, if you're new to a space like this, a Christian setting or a church setting, maybe you walked in today thinking church was going to be something so different, uh, we just want to tell you, welcome. You can come as you are, and we're just going to be us. You be you, and God will be God. Someone say amen. Uh, I truly believe that, that church is a place that should be about good news. I believe that God has done something through Jesus, and it's already done. He did it. It is finished. And because of that, there's something good we can find in life. And so as we open up the Bible today, I hope you know our heart as a church is to create an environment where the Bible is easy to understand, but it's deep enough to change your life. So many people don't even open the word because it's so intimidating or it feels like it's so deep or out of reach. And I just want to tell you today, you're in a place where we prioritize the scriptures. We love the scriptures. We honor the scriptures. Uh, and we're going to try our best to help you grasp the scriptures so that you can go out and live this life uh, outside of these four walls. And so it's a good thing. Romans chapter eight, if you got it, say, I got it. If you need a second, say, I need a second. Okay, take a second. Romans is in the New Testament and uh, we've been in a collection of messages that we've entitled Seasons. This is part four of a message series we called Seasons. It's all about mental health. We've been talking about the February blues. I mean, y'all, it's the end of March and it's snowing still. Somebody help me. I mean, man, no one told me it was gonna be like this, you know? <laughs> Um, but we've been talking about how so often in life, the ups and downs can throw off a consistent understanding of who we are. We get tied up into a career and we put all our whole life into that career and then we lose the career and we lose ourselves. Or we put our heart into a relationship and we say, this relationship defines me, this is everything. And then that relationship ends and then we lose ourselves. So we've been learning as Christians, we ought to have some consistency in our faith so that when the ups and downs of the world are happening, people can look to the church and say, how come you guys still got so much joy? People can look at the church and say, it's the end of the world. Everyone's freaking out. And Christians are loving people, serving people, peace in our souls. Um, it's because we look to God in times of crisis. We look to God in times of comfort and he is our source. And so I'm excited to preach today on part four of seasons, Romans chapter eight. You can keep playing, Tom, you sound great. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Huh. If you want to try it. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is that guilt, that shame, that you fornicator. You ever had someone like call out your sin like that and they almost enjoy doing it? They're like, You sinner! Paul says, if you are in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Here it is, God the Father, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit here it is i want to talk about overthinking and i want to talk about obsession today you ever just thought about something so much you can't sleep 
or you hang up the phone with somebody and you overthink the conversation until it drives you crazy. All to get us to verse 5 of what Paul says. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. I got a message for all my overthinkers in the room today. If you're watching online and you're an overthinker, welcome to the club. God is going to move today. Would you join me for a quick moment of prayer? Father, help us today as we open up your word. Give us an understanding heart. Give us a mind that is focused on who you are. Thank you for the next few moments we share. I pray anybody new in the room that doesn't know you, I pray you'd give an opportunity just to peek into what a life with you might be like. So we love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Turn to somebody next to you say, you need to stop tripping. You need to stop tripping. All the husbands are like, thank you for telling me I could say that. <laughs> Romans is a very... Um, deep and important book of the New Testament. It has probably uh, got some of the most important verses in it regarding salvation, the doctrine of what it means to be a Christian. Um, the book of Romans is, is known as Paul's dissertation. Like out of all letters he wrote in the New Testament, 13 of them we believe, um, um, we believe Romans is like his deepest letter. It is the one that preachers fumble the most. Aren't you glad you're not preaching today? Uh, Romans, Romans is, is, it introduces a lot of deep ideas. It talks about creation and it says, well, if someone never believed in God because they didn't hear about him, they can tell somebody made all this stuff and they can see God in creation. It talks about sin. It says that we are all in a part of a sinful world. We're a part of a world where sin does exist. Sin is the reason why we do the things we do. There's one part in the Bible where Paul says, my, my flesh and my spirit, they're like at war with each other. And Paul says this. Maybe you've said this before. He says, what I want to do, I easily do. And what I know I should do, I don't want to do. And he kind of like talks about this dilemma. He's like, I know I should be better, but I kind of don't want to. And I know I need to do this, but I don't know how to get the power to do it. And maybe you've been there before. Even as a Christian, you don't need to hear more stuff to do. Stop sinning. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. Most of us know we need to stop doing things. What we need to do is figure out where do we get the power to stop? Who is the one that helps us stop? Romans is actually written because there's a, a dispute within the church in Rome. And, and I want you to look at this book, uh, not through the lens of 2020, but I want you to think about 55 AD. This is when Paul started writing in Rome. Well, it was a different culture back then. Times were different. Well, let me show you what was the big issues um, in 55 AD. Uh, it was a very me-centric culture, uh, very sexually driven. Everybody was into sexuality, their identity and sexuality. They worshiped gods based on their sexuality. Um, it was a political cesspool running rampant with immorality and a dis disassociation with the things of God. And there was many racial issues going on. But it's 55 AD. It's the past. I think you could tell that God continues to speak to his church the same way he did way back then. That back then, everyone thought it was all about them. Back then, everybody was making decisions not to help their neighbor, but to get ahead and do the best they could do and make sure that at the end of their life, they were set up. Jesus seems to offer a different way. He says, life is not about the stuff you accumulate. 
Life is not about the ladder you climb to. Oh, I feel like preaching today. Life is not about how quick you can get somewhere. Life is about having peace and an understanding of who you are and why you're here. You ever notice this before that sometimes like the people that are the most calm throughout crisis are the ones that are most secure in who they are? Well, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, I do because I know my father and I know he's called me here and he's provided for me before. And every time that I get stressed about God not providing, I have to remind myself the time that he has provided. Because if you're unsure about what he'll do next, you need to remind yourself what he did before. And so Paul is writing the church and he's trying to encourage them. And he's saying, hey, Jewish people, you need to get along with Gentile people. And Gentiles, you need to get along with the Jews. Because if we're going to worship together now, we can't get uh, caught up in the wrong things. The Jewish people would see Gentiles walk into church and they would say, hmm, looks like you ate some pork this week and you came to worship the Lord. And like, like they're like, well, yeah, like I had a hot dog, you know, a family barbecue on the way over. Like, what do you, what you mean? And, and, and there was this emphasis that people in the church were so focused on everybody else's sin that they never acknowledged their own. People were always looking at what everyone else is doing wrong, but then justifying what they were doing wrong. You ever judge somebody by uh, their actions, but judge yourself by your intentions? Oh, who am I talking to? You ever say, I can't believe they did that. Well, what about you? Well, I didn't mean to do that. We get this inconsistency in how we live our lives because we put some people up, some people down. And Paul is writing to that same issue in 55 AD. And he's saying, hey, guys, uh, uh, let's stay focused on the same thing. And in chapter 8, we get to a very profound passage of Scripture uh, because he lays out some big, important things. He talks about sin in chapter 7. And then in chapter 8, he goes, you know, but there's no condemnation if you know Jesus. Like, yeah, you're a sinner. And yeah, you're going to fall short throughout this life. That's the reality of sin. But he says, you know, but when you're in Jesus, there is no guilt. There is no shame. As long as you're repentive and you stay focused on getting better, you don't have to walk into church like, oh, I was at the club last night. It's like, no, if you feel convicted and the Lord is at work in your heart, you can walk in and say, you know what? I maybe shouldn't have done that last night, but I'm in the house of God and my father loves me. And today is the day that I can get right. Oh, I used to, when I first got saved, man, I'd be out, you know, clubbing the night before, coming to church. And I'd be like, man, I hope we do communion today. Why? I don't know. I just got to get cleansed. I just feel like I got to get cleansed. And I'm telling you, friends, church is not just a place for a one-time thing. It's a place where you're constantly reminded of who you are and you're, you're, you're pushed a little bit closer to that reality. Paul says at the end of chapter 8, well, not the end, he says verse 5, he says he talks about the mind. And he starts talking about how, how we think. And I'm an overthinker. I've always been an overthinker. I, there's times where I can't stop thinking and then I overthink about overthinking. Y'all with me? It's called the second wave. You're like, why am I thinking about this so much? I always think like this. How am I going to stop thinking about thinking about things so much? And then like six hours later, you're like, well, if I thought about thinking about thought, then maybe I could think more about thinking. And Paul writes and he says, no, let me just tell you, when you set your mind on the flesh, it leads to death. But when your mind is set on the things of the spirit, it leads to life. So I almost see like spirit this way, flesh this way, and I'm right here in the middle. Because we are triune beings. We, we are not just a body with a spirit. The Bible says that we have a body, we have a spirit, uh, but we also have a soul. And our soul is where our mind rests. Our soul is where our emotions are. Like your spirit came from God. It will go back to God one day. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My spirit came from God. It can only be sustained by God. My flesh, the Bible says, came from the ground. Right? Don't leave me out here by myself, right? Didn't God create us from the dust to the ground? And so it makes sense that our bodies are only sustained by things from the ground. We've got to drink water. We've got to eat food. We've got to take care of ourselves. And then right in the middle is your mind and your will and your emotions. And Paul says if you set your mind, if you go this way towards your flesh, it's going to lead to death. You're going to feel guilty. You're going to feel empty. You're going to feel like there's no meaning in life. But if you take that mind and you set it on the spirit, you will experience life. And not just life. Look what John 10 verse 10 says. Jesus speaking. He says the enemy comes, the thief, to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life and, and have it abundantly. Can I preach for a second? Because I think some of us in the room are content with life. I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. I got fire insurance. Not going to hell. That's great. The Bible tells us when we get saved, we get life. And now we have eternal life. If you know Jesus, I believe that you are good. Like, you know him. That's great. But what do you do for the rest of your life while you're here? That's where that and comes in. Jesus says they can have life and they have it more abundantly. Well, how do I do that? I start to think the right thoughts. And I want to talk to you about your thinking today. Because we've talked about anxiety. We talked about depression. Last week, my wife gave a great message on insecurity and how to deal with ourselves when we're insecure about things. Today, I want to talk to you about overthinking. And a little bit more specific, I want to talk to you about obsession. Our need to obsess about things, even when we sure know there's no outcome to some of these thoughts. Can I help someone today? Okay, let me show you the definition of obsession. Obsession means a persistent, disturbing preoccupation with an often unreasonable idea or feeling. It is very repetitive and it is very unproductive. When you're obsessing about things, it's usually for an unreasonable reason, but you're sitting there going over and over and over in your head that it actually paralyzes you from making future decisions. Because you're so focused on, well, that didn't go right. That didn't go right. Can I tell you, like, my first couple years of preaching uh, sermons, I used to get off the stage and then, like, think about how well I did for, like, the next three days. I should have said this. I should have said that. I could have done this better. I could Not knowing the moment has already passed, there will be another sermon one day, but my mind likes to hang out and just act as if nothing can change. And it's often when we're most uh, 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 paralyzed by something that we're unproductive in the rest of our lives. So you start thinking about your career too much, you forget about your family. Or you start overthinking what somebody else did with their uh, job, and then you stop focusing on your own, and, and you get mismanaged in how you deal with things. Regardless of you're in the, in the flesh today, or you're in the spirit, or maybe you're like, Billy, I'm right in the middle. I don't know which way to go. You can be encouraged that there's good news for you today that God still cares and wants you to walk in that abundant life. Like I get challenged every day. I'm like, I got life and I got it more abundantly. And, and, and every day there's an opportunity to experience God's abundance. Not just his money. We don't preach that prosperity stuff. You know, like God's gonna bless you financially. Well, the Bible talks about it. But when I talk about abundance, I'm talking about the fullness of life. You just feel this thing in you. You're like, it's just a great day. And it's not that you're, uh, you know, 
avoiding real issues or really dealing with stuff. But I just believe when you have an abundant life, even in grief, you can see beauty. Even in death, you can still see life. Abundance is the fullness of God in one moment. It's not just like, this is the end of my story. Friends, we know the author of the book. We know how the book ends. We know how the story is going to end. We just need to endure. We just need to hang on to Jesus. I love singing Jesus, lover of my soul today because that song just makes me go, I need you. Though my world may fall, I'll never let you go. My savior, my closest friend, like those aren't just lyrics. Those are promises. So we're triune beings. This is why Paul writes in Galatians, he says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So Paul says, if you're walking in the spirit, you're not even going to care about the flesh stuff. Like you're not even going to get focused on the things you used to get focused on. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So you see the dilemma. Paul says we're triune beings. You have a soul. That's where your will is. You decide, do I want to live in the spirit? Do I want to live in the flesh? And these two will never be friends. As much as you try to bring fleshy ideas into a spirit environment, it doesn't work. I believe that you can bring spirit ideas into a flesh environment and see flesh get healed, but you have to have the spirit in you, but you can't bring fleshy, earthy ideas into the kingdom of God. Well, you know, maybe we should set it up uh, like the government in America. No, it's a whole different place. The kingdom of heaven doesn't operate like the ways of man. People get so frustrated with politics, especially in the last four to eight years, maybe even longer if you're in the room today. And we can get so frustrated. And how come it's always so back and forth and everyone's so in each other's faces? Because the systems of man cannot accomplish what the kingdom of God can. So, yes, I believe. Let's have the right people in office. Let's vote for the people. Let's vote our convictions. But at the end of the day, don't, don't get helpless when the government doesn't work like you think it should. Because we're all just trying to figure it out on this earth while we're here. Are you with me? So if I'm, if I'm going to focus on the spirit, and I'll say like this, this quote, if we're going to win the war against the spirit, I'm sorry, the, the war against our mind, we have to commit to fighting in the spirit. If you are overthinking today and you want to get past, you know, staying up late, trying to control things you can't control, or, or just replaying something over and over and over and over in your head, um, if we're going to win that battle against our mind, We have to commit to fight in the spirit. We have to commit to know that our spirit is from God and it has the power of God. And your spirit knows things. Your spirit, that's that thing in you where you're like, I feel that, I just know this. Your spirit knows things. You just gotta get your mind to convince that that's true. So here's a couple quick tips about how to stop overthinking. Um, And then I'll give you a little bit more Bible before we close. Just some quick tips about how to stop overthinking. Number one, notice when you're thinking too much very simple. I was doing this last night, stressing, overthinking about some stuff going on like six months from now, like six months later in the year, I'm thinking about, well, what am I going to do? I mean, I got to figure out this. I got to figure six months down the road. How am I going to do this? And all of a sudden it was like, whoa, wait a minute. I need to notice that I'm overthinking. Like once you spend about 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes on the same thought, there ought to be something in you that says, okay, this is stupid. I'm, I'm still thinking about the same thing. So I need to notice when I'm overthinking. Secondly, challenge your thoughts. Is this who I am? Is this thought true? Like when I think about not doing good in a sermon, that's a fleshy idea. That's a performance idea. 
That's an idea that's like, well, no one said amen, so I must have not did good. Like, we base things around the flesh. When I lean into my spirit, it goes, no, you've been called by God, anointed by God, placed by God. You have the spirit of God in you. This is what you're called to do. So sometimes I got to challenge those thoughts and say, no, that's not true. Thirdly, keep the focus on problem solving. You ever been overthinking and you're not even overthinking about how to solve the problem? You're just overthinking because it's terrible? This is the worst. This is terrible. What about solving the problem? What about, okay, I need to move. I need to find a new place or I need to apply for a new job or I need to do some research and try to find a solution for this because if we just sit and think and sit and think and sit and think, we'll never move and live and actually grow. Number four, schedule time to think critically. Some people do this Saturday morning, Sunday afternoon. I'm just going to think about my week. My wife and I, usually Sunday nights, we plan our week. Take 30 minutes. Hey, what's your schedule like next week? Is it in the calendar? What do you need from me this week? Hey, I got a meeting this week. Hey, my small group, just so you know. Like, and we schedule that time so that we're not getting caught up thinking about things that we don't need to think about. Number five, practice mindfulness. Mindfulness as in it's not always about us when we're overthinking. There are other people that maybe we can be mindful of. And, and sometimes we overthink how those people feel about us. And we kind of like, well, you know, this person didn't say anything to me when I left church. And then like three days later, we're still thinking about it. And it's like, they're not thinking about it. So let's be mindful and go, mm, this isn't as big as a big, uh, big deal. And then the last one, number six, is just change the channel. If you're overthinking, go for a walk. Put some worship music on. Uh, turn off the news. You know, stop watching that show on Netflix if it gives you anxiety. Like sometimes it's as simple as, okay, just change. And you'll find peace. But those are practical stuff, right? Those are, it's easy. I think anybody can try those six things. I want to take the next few moments, the remainder of our time together, and I want to just maybe go a little bit deeper and say, here's how God calls us to beat overthinking. Because you can find those six things like in a book in, in Barnes & Noble. And you can find those things like on a blog, on a self-help magazine or something. But I think God calls us to some deeper principles as Christians. And for anyone in the room that you don't consider yourself a Christian, or maybe you're like, ah, it's been a long time, you know, I just want, maybe today's the start of something. And maybe this is how you can get back into a rhythm of knowing him. So three things about how, to, how God sees us beating overthinking and how I think you can beat overthinking. Number one, how to fight with your spirit to beat your mind is you have to have a sense of daily rejoicing daily rejoicing. What do I mean? Finding something every single day to be grateful for. And sometimes when we're overthinking things, we go right past the thing that we actually need. So let's go back to Romans verse, uh, chapter 8. Let's go back to verse 1. Because verse 5 and 6 is about setting your mind on things of flesh, setting your mind on things of the spirit. And that can feel like performance, like, oh, I got to set my mind. But look at verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The gospel means you could not save yourself by your own good deeds. So God sent his son to live a perfect life for you. And when Jesus went to the cross and he died for you, he didn't just die for you. He died as you. He died in our place. So that alone gives me a gratitude in my heart. Man, if I need something to thank God for, I'm free from guilt. I'm free from shame. I'm free from the decisions I made 10 years ago, six years ago. Yeah, I want to get better, but I'm not going to sulk in what I did back then when God says there's no condemnation for me today. 
That's great news. Come on, friends. I know it might be awkward. You run into people from your past and you're like, oh, there's that guy that I, that I stabbed in the back. Or, or there's that girl that, you know, we had that one thing. And, and it can trigger us and make us think about it. But I'm telling you, there's nothing like walking in that freedom. You can walk right up to that person and say, hey, I just want to apologize what I did five years ago. How, how are you so cool about it now? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That changes my outside world because that truth reminds me that I'm free in him. That's, a, that's something to rejoice about, friends. You know, I, I have moments with my wife where we get caught up in certain things and, you know, we get little spats or little arguments or little fights and stuff. And you start, well, you know, she never does this. She never does that. Never does that. And sometimes it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Thank God that I have a wife. Like, thank God that someone is in my life. Because what we do is we marginalize what we have because we're picking apart what we don't have. And we devalue what God has done because we're not happy with what he's currently doing. Well, I don't like what you're doing. Well, don't forget what I've done. You following me? So we need a sense of daily rejoicing. Let me go another scripture. Verse nine of Romans eight. The apostle writes, you, however, since you're a Christian, He's writing to Roman Christians. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. That's a big word, belong. Because that implies that Jesus has ownership of us. That implies that when I become a Christian, Jesus is not just my savior, but he becomes my Lord. Let's be honest. Sometimes this is scary, giving our whole life to Jesus. I mean, my God, are you sure every Sunday you want me to come to church, God? You want me to give my res- You want me to give my money to the church? I mean, you know, I don't know. And we make it about all these other things instead of he calls us to himself. We belong to him. I belong to Jesus. What's your opinion about this? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Here's his opinion. Well, how do you think we're going to solve this problem? I don't know. I belong to him. So I'm going to go talk to him about it, see what he wants me to do. Lordship is that step in our commitment to him where we experience a daily sense of, of just rejoicing. Uh, for me, I love to pray in the mornings. I get up and I'm starting to do this now a little bit earlier than my daughter because, you know, she comes along, God bless her, and that early morning prayer time just goes out the window. You know, the early morning prayer time is like early morning bottles and diaper changing now. And I felt it in my life. I felt, I felt my, my, my spirit man dipping felt myself resting more on my ability to communicate than an actual relationship with God. Like, "Ah, I'm a good speaker. I don't need to pray. I can just get up there and preach, you know? And it's like, no, it doesn't work like that. Friends, hear me when I say, like, even if it's just a drive on your way to work, tell God that you're there. Well, he knows I'm here. No, it's different when you say, God, I'm here to pray and I'm here to encounter you. Um, I'll give this real quick for free. This is my four-step method to praying. If you don't know how to pray or you're like, I don't know where to start. P-R-A-Y. P-R-A-Y. Pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. That's how you pray. How do I pray? Just pause. Turn the phone off for a second. Like put headphones on or just get away from your normal life. Then rejoice. God, I thank you. I'm still alive. And then ask him for something. I really need help in my relationship today. And then yield to him. Whatever you say, I'll do. But I believe that gospel is going to be a praying church. We're not just going to have people that pray. We are a church that prays. 
Because Jesus said, my house shall be built on prayer. And so God forbid that we obsess about our thinking so much that we forget. We have access to the one every single moment of every day we can encounter God. He doesn't, he doesn't send you to voicemail. He always returns your texts. He always is on top of it. He's waiting to see if you're available. Isn't that something? So if I'm going to stop overthinking, I need a daily thing to rejoice, to be grateful about. Because uh, gratitude kills anxiety. Try to be anxious and grateful at the same time won't happen. So I need a daily rejoicing. Secondly, to have, to have a lifestyle that beats overthinking, uh, I need to have a weekly renewal. A weekly renewal. What do I mean by this? This is what church is in my mind. I, I just want to tell you, as, as your pastor, some of you, this is your house and this is your church now. And as your pastor, in my mind, Sundays is a day for us to weekly gather and renew our commitment to God to renew our love for him, to renew our strength in each other. But like every week, we need at least one moment where we're renewed again. Some of you in the room, you've been trying to go three months straight without ever taking one day just to renew. And we're wondering why we're empty and why we're tired. It's because every week there ought to be an intentional focus about our inner life. Six days a week, you're working on your outer life. Got to go to work. Got to pay the bills. Got to pick the kids up. Got to feed. Got to do this. Got to do that. And we're always focused on the outer life. At least on Sundays, you can say, I'm focused on my inner man today. I want to renew the inside me. Jesus, one day in Matthew chapter 16, he's talking to his disciples and uh, he's in a region called Caesarea Philippi. And, and particularly in, in this Philippian region at that time, this is where a lot of people would come down to the, to the beaches and they would carve into the rocks altars to worship their gods. And so Caesarea Philippi would have been a place where like, you know, people would go and they'd have different gods and, you know, everyone would go down there and, and that's where they would worship and renew their affection to their God. And, and one day Jesus is there and it says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? It's it's no coincidence that he's around the place that other gods get worshipped. That he says, okay, what are people saying about me? Verse 14 says, and they said, uh, some think you're John the Baptist. Some people think you're Elijah. Some people think you're Jeremiah. These are all Old Testament prophets. They're like, hey, they think you're like the guy from, you know, the book of Jeremiah. And you came back to save the world. Like they think, they think that. Verse 15, it says, he looks at him and he says, but who do you say that I am? Because if they're confused about me out there, it's probably because you're confused about me me in here. Well, they don't know who you are out there, God. Well, I'm wondering if my own people know who I am. Because they're not going to find out about me if the people in the building don't know about me. So every week I'm renewing. I want to learn more about you. I want to figure out who you are because I'm going to encounter someone that needs you. And I at least want to know the basics. Like I want to know just to tell them you love them and that you're for them. Verse 15, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered in verse 16, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood didn't tell you this. I love that. Peter's the only one in the group that goes, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're God in the flesh. And Jesus says, your flesh didn't reveal that to you. Your body didn't come up with that answer. It was your spirit that revealed it to you. And and what Jesus says is, I'm going to build my church on that revelation of who I am. So every week when we gather now, we can encounter him uh, because we are renewed. Uh, I wrote this quote earlier. We are renewed under the power of the gospel every time we gather. 
So whenever we gather in church, we're renewed under the fact that God did something for us. Well, I didn't feel valuable this week. You come to church, you're gonna feel valuable when you recognize another man died for you, hung on a cross, suffocated on his own blood, had so many opportunities to get out of it, but didn't. So when we come to church, of course we tell people they're loved because they might not hear it anywhere else this week. Of course we tell people they're gonna make it because no one might've said that this week. But when we gather in the house of God, we're renewed under that truth. Can I tell you what, who the church exists for real quick? Three groups of people the church exists for. Number one, saints, people that know God, love God, been with God. It also exists for sinners and also skeptics. I think the church should encompass all three types of people. The church should involve people that are saints and not that they're better than, but that's just terminology of these people have been in church their whole life or they've been reading their Bible since they were you know, 20 years old. Now they're in their eighties. Like there's a place for that. There's also a place for sinners, like people that are outside smoking cigarettes before they come in or, well, you know, someone's smoking cigarettes outside, Pastor Billy. Well, he used to be doing cocaine. So thank God he's in the house of God. Like, come on now. I never want to push away sinners for Jesus is a friend of sinners. Jesus welcomes sinners. They asked him, why do you always eat with sinners? And he goes, well, who else did I come for? I didn't come for people that think they got it together. I came for people that know they need the help. So the church exists for sinners to walk in. Our church is very accessible. If you haven't noticed this yet, our thing is like, we make it easy for anybody to come into church and not feel like weird, I guess. <laughs> because we believe sinners should be here. And then also we think skeptics should be here. People that question God, people that doubt God. Doubt is like antibodies in your body. If your faith has no doubt, I would question if it's real. So we have people that come in and they're not gonna believe in God. I don't do this whole church stuff. Hey, well, you're welcome here. You'll get a sense of what we're about here. We need to be renewed every time we gather. How do I stop overthinking? Get involved in the local church. Find something to set your mind on every Sunday. Wake up with an expectation. Sunday's different than Saturday. God's gonna do something today. I'm gonna be renewed today. I'm gonna find my purpose today. I'm gonna get healed of some things today. I'm no longer gonna be set back from my addictions or the things that have stopped me. No, I'm renewed because he's here and he's with me. You can't be a Christian and not belong to a church. I can't say it any plainer than that. Like, you can't call yourself a Christian but not belong to a church. Well, you know, I have my own personal relationship with God. That doesn't work. I'm sorry. And I'm not saying this just to get butts in seats. Like, like there is a principle about showing up with your body in the house of God. And I love everyone watching online. I love technology. I think the spirit can move there as well. But even people online, we tell the people watching in Texas and in Florida and in Cali and in Arizona and now in Nevada, we tell them like, hey, we're glad you're watching, uh, but you still need a community. You need a church or you need a small group or you need something. Because we get into this like personal spiritualism where we're like, well, I'm a good person. It's like, that's not even what Christianity is about. <laughs> are, you, are you following me? So being a part of a local church is for me to be renewed. Every time I gather, we're gonna extend our series uh, one more week. We're supposed to do something next week. I really felt like next week, I'm gonna talk a little bit about church some more. And particularly, I'm gonna talk about church hurt and, and, and how we can, we can easily walk away from God because of how someone poorly represented him in the past. Like Judas betrayed Jesus. 
And you don't see the disciples walking away on Jesus. Well, you know, they're inconsistent. You're inconsistent. I'm inconsistent. This is the only, this is the only entity that celebrates we're all a work in progress. So when we hold people to standards that we don't hold ourselves to, well, they hurt me. I don't doubt that there's church hurt. And it is a real thing. And, and if you will trust me, if you will come tomorrow, God can, t I believe, tomorrow. If you come next week, <laughs> we'll do it tomorrow too. You know, if you come next week, like I believe God will heal some things that maybe you've been holding on to for a long time. Can you imagine Peter after Jesus resurrects and he says, I've returned Peter. And he says, hmm. Now, I don't go to church anymore because Judas betrayed you. He was a leader and he fell from grace. So what, you still eat food even though someone messed up your burger that one time? I'm going to go there next week. I just want to give you a little preview because I think daily we rejoice, but weekly we need to be renewed. Paul says this in Romans 12. Uh, again, same issue, writing to Jews and Gentiles. And he says in Romans 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, my brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies, flesh, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So Paul says, hey, bring your body into the house of God. Show up. Get here. Make it a point to get into the room so that you can say, this is my worship. It's snowing. I could have slept in bed a little longer. I get it, man. Every Sunday I have that moment. It's like 530 and I'm like, well, maybe I'll just pray while I'm sleeping today, you know? But no, my physical body is responding in God. So I'm gonna show up to church. I'm gonna get involved. I'm gonna find out what the needs are in our community. I'm gonna give money to the church so it's awesome and people keep getting blessed. Like it's not even a question because I'm presenting my body as a sacrifice. Anyone can pray to God in private in their spirit, man. I have a personal relationship with God, that's spiritualism. But when people see it in your actual life, that's when they can validate your faith. And they say, yeah, you, you are different because you go to church every Sunday or every time I'm gossiping, you just say something positive. Like, well, maybe they just need a second chance. Like, that's the evidence of your faith. Present your bodies. Verse two, do not be conformed to, to, to this world. One translation says, do not be conformed to the pattern of the world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You may test and discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So Paul says there's a pattern in the world of how they think. There, there, there's a pattern that says you must do more to be more. There's a pattern that says you must kick anybody out of the way on your own way to pursuit of happiness. Uh, there's a pattern that says you need to get more, to feel more, and have more, to be more. And everything is like get, go, climb, do, work, hustle, pick the phone up, overtime, second job, third job, gotta pay, the, like all this extra stuff. The Bible says, reject that. No, I'm gonna live in peace. I'm gonna find contentment. I'm gonna cut things out of my life so I don't have to waste time managing all of them. I'm gonna cut things out of my, my time so I don't have to get all the energy in managing them. And I'm gonna be renewed by the will of God in my life. So I need to be rejoicing daily and renewed weekly. And then as I close, this is just for anybody thinking, overthinking, anybody that feels something in the, in the room this morning you're not going to beat overthinking until number three, you have consistent relationship. 
you will not be overthinking until you have consistent relationships. Sometimes we have the quick fix mentality. Oh, well, I'll sit down with somebody and we have one talk. We have one meeting, one phone call, and then that's it. And six, seven weeks go by and you start feeling the same thing. And, you know, your friend comes to you and they're like, you talk to anybody about that? Oh, yeah, you know, I talked to this person seven weeks ago. What helps us get past our thoughts is not the one-time fix, but it's the adjustment of our lifestyle where it's like, I know it's weird meeting new people. Like, I know it's weird sharing your number or having somebody call you and check up on you and you're like, what do you want? But, but, but it's a sense of, I need consistency so that I can get better. I, I need consistency so that I can recognize who I am. That's why God leads us, so that as he's leading us, it's consistent, and we're always reminded who we are. Romans continues, and, and man, we could do a whole month on Romans, I think, because there's so much. You could probably do years on Romans. Oh, Mr. Goglag, you could spend forever on that one verse. Like, there's something about the Bible that just shows us we need consistency. But look at chapter 5, verse 14. He says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God... For all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Sons of God. That's who you are. So God's consistency in leading you reveals your consistency and identity. Those who are led are sons and daughters, okay? Those who are led are sons. The moment you stop being teachable is the moment you stop living. The moment you stop being moldable and stop taking advice from people, and ah, I don't I got it all figured out. That's the moment you stop experiencing life. I love when someone comes up to me and asks me a question about my sermon. Well, here's what I thought about that verse. Like, man, God forbid I'm the pastor. <laughs> well, I'm the pastor, first of all. It's like, no, I always want to learn. I always want to grow because I want consistency over perfection. a word for somebody you've been striving for perfection and all God is asking you to do is just come to church find some consistency find something that you know is not going to change because I know this to be true in a world full of chaos every human craves consistency every human being has this innate need that says I, I need something that doesn't change I need something that stays the same I, 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 I got this relationship but then it ended now what I have my grandma or my great aunt and she just died now what and, and we let the ups and downs of life dictate our spirit like I'm sorry I'm, I'm clinging to you today but I just can't take it anymore when I see a Christian who has been made new in Jesus who is no longer bound by the penalty of their sin and yet they're still kind of like ah now what it's like well, well get into a relationship get into a family our church is getting too big. I don't know everybody here. That's okay. You should have people within the church that you go, that's my tribe right there. That, I, I can go to lunch with her after church. I know her. Or you know what? He know, he's prayed for me. To, there's a different connection. Because until we have consistency, we won't have peace. My last scripture for you is John chapter 15. Jesus, again, just to, just to again, everything Paul was saying, Jesus is right there again. He said it first. Verse 4, he talks and he says, abide in me and I in you. Jesus says, don't come to church once a week. He says, abide in who I am. Because as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the, van, in the vine, neither can you unless you 
abide in me. So Jesus says, attach your life to mine and watch things change. Watch consistency of your routine get even better. Watch your understanding, watch your peace, watch your discernment. Hello, watch your discernment, mm, smells fishy. Like you should be able to catch things before they happen because God has equipped your spirit with those things. But until we have consistency with each other, have that peace. Uh, I, I think that the gospel is the good news about what Jesus has done for us and how we respond to that. Because the gospel, it cures you of things. Amen. The gospel can cure you of anger, rage. It can cure your physical body. I've been physically healed by the good news of Jesus. I have, I've seen literally, I, I've been in a prayer line like we're starting to do at our church, at our home church. I've prayed for people with, with bumps, like tumors, seen them go down at the altar, like seen miracles. And the gospel can do that. The power of God is in the room this morning. But it not only cures us, it calls us. It calls us to live different. It calls us to repent. It calls us to turn from our, our thing that says, I can figure it out on my own. What a sinful thought. I can figure it out on my own. It says, turn from that sin and come to Jesus. Abide in his love and you will walk in a way you never thought you could. So if you're here today and you need Jesus and you want to be made whole today, you want to be made new today, that's why we have a church. So that lost people can come home. And there's lost people in the room today that you need to recognize your home. You've been welcome home today. Would you close your eyes for a second if you're watching online this moment for you? Uh, I just want to ask if you're here today and that was you and you say, Billy, I need, to, I need, I need Jesus today. I just, I, I need to know I'm made right with him. I'm not talking overthinking. I'm going to pray for a second group of people. We might, we might pray for anybody who needs uh, some help with thinking. But you don't know Jesus or you need to recommit your life to Jesus. And you're like, I fell away from my faith. I used to be on fire or I used to understand this. Now I'm just like, I don't care. Why not give him a chance today to make you new? And if that's you, would you just slip your hand up in the air just very softly right now on the count of three. One, two, three. Say, ah, that's me. I want to with God today. I need, to, I need to know Him again. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. I'm going to pray this. I just want you to pray this in your heart. Dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus. There is no condemnation now that I am in Him. Today, I repent from my sin. I turn from my own way of living. And I look to Jesus to be my Lord. I believe that he died for me and paid the price so that I could live. More importantly, I believe he rose from the dead, God. So today I will rise. Today I will walk again. I will be whole again. I will be new again. I thank you that what I did does not define me. What Jesus has done is the beginning of the rest of my life. So we love you. We honor you today in Jesus' name. Now, secondly, if you've been obsessing about something, overthinking, just know you have been. Would you lift your hand now? Just say, I just, I've been overthinking, worried about things, stressing about things, big things, small things, little things. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Keep your hand lifted just by faith. Just by faith. Thank you, Holy Spirit.
this morning, Lord. You know what they're thinking about. You know what they've been stressing about. Today, teach them to set their mind on the Spirit again. Teach them to turn from the things that didn't work before and try something new. I thank you for a peace that passes understanding. I thank you for a joy that's not dictated by circumstances. I pray the power of God into their minds today, that their thoughts would change and start to construct the way that God thinks. I pray for a reminder of who they are today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. take our offering here in just a second and, and we'll skip that video but I, I want to uh, one, of, one of our guys is here today uh, he's in my small group uh, Mike is celebrating five years of being clean and sober today yeah and uh, it was awesome our team was celebrating him out there and stuff like that uh, 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 but I feel like it's a, it's, a, it's a springboard into what God's doing in this moment you would be so bold to say I need help with my recovery I just I just want to pray for you because he came in today as a victory and God the Bible says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy so when we testify and we say five years everyone's like whoo there's a prophetic moment that says well I can have that who's next um, so if you would be just honest today and say I need help with my recovery would you slip a hand up in the air and just say, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be shy about it? Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah. I think we ought to pray. We want to pray. Mike, you wanna come over and join me, man? We're gonna pray for this guy over here. Would you stretch your hands over this way? Because I just feel something. I don't want to embarrass you, man. But we we've come. <laughs> On a day like today, look, everyone's looking at you now, sorry. <laughs> but I just want to let you know you're loved. It's no coincidence that this man, five years trying to make it happen, and uh, we're just going to agree that's going to happen for you. All right? Just stretch your hands towards this young man. Father, thank you right now that you are the spirit of recovery. Without you, we can't recover from anything. So today we come into agreement for this young man's story, his testimony. We thank you there's no guilt or shame over his life today. Thank you there's no condemnation for the decisions he has made. But you stopped this whole service just so this room would come into agreement for what you're doing in his life. So thank you for a fresh start. Thank you for a new beginning. Thank you that there will be nothing that can separate him from the love of God anymore. We come into agreement right now for a testimony in the making, a miracle in the making. We believe it and we agree with it today in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it, would you put your hands together this morning? Come on, can we thank God? Come on, would you show some love to the Lord this morning that he, he started a church where anybody can be anybody and something can still happen. Oh, man. This is what it's about. This is what it's about. This is what it's about. After church, because uh, there's still a couple more of you. I know there is. After church, I'm going to be up here. I'm going to ask uh, some of our prayer team to be up here as well. But as we dismiss, if you need further prayer, why don't you come down? 
everyone else will leave. But if you need to get something off your chest today, I just feel like God's pulling on something. Don't overthink it. If you know who it is, you know who it is. But I just feel like he's pulling on something today. And I want to be obedient to that. So the altars will be open after church. Um, our team is just going to play softly when we dismiss. So as you leave, just, just if you could, just give it a second. Because uh, I want to pray for some more breakthrough over people today. It's going to be great. All right, we're going we're gonna to prepare our hearts to give. And uh, I got a scripture I was reading in Matthew that I'd love to encourage you with in your giving today. If you're new to church, don't feel pressured to give. Um, For us that follow Jesus, this is a gift. This is an opportunity to worship. And so uh, it's not how much, it's it's where your heart is when you give. So thank you for your generosity as you give. Jesus actually said this in uh, Matthew chapter 24, I think, chapter 23. Um, He says, woe to you. He's talking to some pastors, some religious leaders. And he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. What a great scripture for giving, huh? Hypocrites. Jesus, so meek and mild here. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, but you have neglected the weightier matters. So Jesus says, you're a tither down to the smallest thing. Like you tithe, if someone gives you $5, like you're giving 50 cents to Jesus. You know what I mean? Like you tithe to the smallest detail, but you don't care about like mercy, love, justice. He's like, so he tells them, don't just give to give. Give because you want to be a complete disciple across the board. You say, I'm not just going to be a good person. Follow Jesus. And so I want to pray for your giving today. And as I pray, I'm just going to dismiss you. And like I said, if you want to head out, you can. Uh, but come on forward if you need prayer, because I think God wants to still do something as we get ready to wrap up. So Lord, thank you for the giving today. Thank you for those that are that are, that are trusting you with their resources. Uh, we give not to get something. We give not to be blessed. We give because we are blessed. We give because you've already given. So Lord, I thank you for what you did today. Thank you for the start of a new way of thinking for somebody in the room. So stir our hearts as we leave this place. We love you. We honor you. May God bless you this week. May he make you the head and not the tail. May he remind you how blessed you are, how favored you are. May he remind you that you're loved and that you carry the light of Jesus everywhere you go. So we bless you now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen and amen. Hey, we love you. Have an amazing Sunday. Uh, We'll see you next week for week five of Seasons.